everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. Good afternoon, Frank. Uh, it's just you and I on the podcast today, which is nice because, uh, you know, we can uh, we can uncork some things that uh, we normally can't have. Uh, you know, we can't we don't have time to expand upon when we have our guests. So uh, on for Super Bowl Sunday, uh, this is a this is a good time to like un, unpack some of the thoughts that's been going on lately. So welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Noah. And I want to apologize for what you referred to as man boobs off camera. Uh, I was Come on. I was in a bit of a rush, kind of like the, the dog ate my homework. I don't like excuses, but the dog ate my homework. I had to rush, and this was the most convenient shirt. And apparently, uh, Noah, you know, said that it's blinding him. The- <laughs> <laughs> it just, I, I can't uh, help myself to pick on you. Andre Galvo Andre did a recent video on Instagram where he's imitating my, my, uh, my 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 manly chest twitch. So if you want to check that out, Andre Galvao. Um, I tell you what. Why don't you get Andre Galvao and yourself on a video, and you can compete that. Uh, you can have a little competition. Yeah. And I don't. I, be, I will not be judging. I've rolled with him, and and he was you know a lot 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 better. A little bit. Being, have, <laughs> a little bit uh, bigger. Nice guy. Guy. He used to come to the UFC in the old days. He was training with Vanderlei Silva. So mm. people forget Andre Galbo fought a little bit MMA. I think he was looking at MMA um, and then just redirected. But he was he used to come in the UFC. We used to have a basement gym down there. He'd come in and train. I trained with him at Team Mika, which is now um, uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Las Vegas. I trained with him there. Great guy. Um, worth following on Instagram. Just gave Israel Adesanya his purple belt and Israel Adesanya broke into tears. He, he and and broke and surprised him with it. Um, so Israel Adesanya had been training there in San Diego. Went there to train at the uh, Atos headquarters and uh, got his purple under Andre Gavol. That's that's special and it meant so much to him. He broke in tears for his purple belt. And this is a guy who's Israel Adesanya has the potential to be the best of all time. When we talk about the goat right now, we talk about Khabib and GSP and John Jones and. You know, I mean, Israel Adesanya is just a matter of longevity. At the pace he's going, unless somebody derails that train, which could happen, but he's been head and shoulders above the competition. This could be the greatest of all time. He's certainly going to probably, he's on pace to be in the conversation in five or 10 years um, and gets his purple belt in jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and cries. So there you go. So today, Noah, we were, we were talking off camera, maybe... Some of the topics that I would like to talk about, hopefully we have enough time. I would like to talk about Conor McGregor and the loss to Dustin Poirier. And I got a lot of the hate, you know, Conor kind of has egg on his face to a lot of people, a lot of people piling on him. And, you know, they got the memes with him sleeping in the, you know, sleeping in the, in the slumped over in, in the octagon and, and asleep from being, you know, from the punches from being knocked out. I want to give you my thoughts on what I think of the, hate or the vitriol that he's receiving. I want to talk about when you've had a long layoff of the mats, when you haven't been able to train. I I was off the mats for 13 months. That's the longest time I've been away from the mats in my life, right? Since I was like 14 years old, that's the longest layoff I've ever had. Some of that was for injuries, to rest injuries. Some of that was professional, like 
putting a lot more focus on professional projects. Um, and then some of that was just COVID-19, right? Which threw a big monkey wrench at all of us. And the final thing, if we can get into it, or maybe it's something we even talk about sooner is, um, maybe it's even more poignant, is Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady today playing in the Super Bowl, he's, you know, 43, whatever he is. I think he's 43 years old. He's been playing like 20 years. He's won six Super Bowl rings. He's been in nine Super Bowls. This is his 10th Super Bowl. He's competing for his um, for his seventh ring, which is just insane. He's clearly the GOAT, the greatest of all time in football in a very rigorous sport. He's been age-defying. He's still got it. A lot of people who used to not like him are now getting on that bandwagon. He's a more sympathetic figure now that he's older and they want to see him get that. You know, it's like a lot of people are like, wow, they, it's vicarious. They're like, God, he's if he's not too old, I'm not too old for whatever, right? So we'll talk about that greatness. I've studied Tom Brady over the years for 20 some years now. I follow his career and, you know, sort of the ingredients in that greatness and how, what we can learn from him to carry over to our, to our own life, to our own combat sports or martial arts experience and journey. There's a lot that we can learn or reinforce from a Tom Brady. Let's start, um, Noah, with Conor McGregor. Okay, so Conor McGregor, I think it was whatever, last week or two weeks ago, I forget. I, my brain is just, in a, in a, you know, it's a blur. But he was a three-and-a-half-to-one favorite to win that fight. He smoked and scorched Dustin Poirier in their first fight, just, just annihilated him. And here we are six years later. Dustin Poirier had been on a hot streak. Conor McGregor has been a lot of inactivity away from the octagon. You know, he fought like once in two years. He had the Donald Cerrone fight, but... But, you know, he's made a lot of money. He's, from what we hear, Connor had partied quite a bit. Um, you know, he's a family man, too. He's got his family. He's got a couple of kids. He's got, you know, a proper 12 whiskey. And Connor looked great on the scale, though. He looked great. And I picked Connor to win. I thought that I thought it was a bad matchup for Poirier. Well, here we are after those leg kicks. He chopped Connor down. Connor got tired a lot sooner than we expected. Connor became a stationary target. Poirier countered well, and then bam. And then Connor loses, and what happens on social media, right? It's kind of like when Ronda Rousey loses, whenever you're a loud fighter. Now, Connor was not trash talking much for this fight. He respects Dustin Poirier. He's even donated to Dustin Poirier's charity, The Good Fight. So he has a lot of respect for, for Poirier. He didn't do a lot of the Connor smack talk, trash talk, belittling. He didn't do that. Um, but still, people remember the Connor that did do that, that talked really big, and they piled up on him predictably. And I just want to say my thoughts on that. I'm not a guy, and you and I have talked about this, Noah, I don't celebrate when John Jones has a bad day, when he's in the bad news for something, and I don't celebrate even Connor when he gets knocked out. We've never seen him get knocked out. We've seen him get submitted. We've seen him get tired. We've never seen him, somebody out-punch him and take him out that way. So very humbling night for him. I, having spent all these years in the martial arts, I am not a person that likes to pile on people. They're going through their journey. They have their things. They have their own psychological battles that they're going to fight to, to steal themselves, to build themselves up, to go into a cage and fight, a cage where you can get hurt, a cage where you can go to the ER and be in the hospital for uh, you know the whole night or a couple days, a cage where... You know, your mind plays tricks on you. So I'm very forgiving of the cocky fighter. You know, I did a TEDx talk on that. A big ego gets a bad rap. I tend to be very forgiving of the big-headed, inflated fighter. 
because I think that a lot of them just, they have to do what they have to do to get themselves up and to fight the best of the best, to go into an octagon, to go into a cage, to go through a fire. I understand that to do that, a lot of times we have to go through some dark places, just like sometimes you have to get to the light. You have to go through the darkness. You have to go through it and you can wrestle with your own ego and battle with your own ego. So when I saw Connor, I tend to say, I just hope, you know, whatever people think of Connor, you cannot take away that he's a two-time champion. He's a two-time world champion. He's got some huge victories over some really damn good fighters. He's made probably between 120, 150 million to my count. I don't know what he's making off proper 12. He's probably making a lot off of that. He's the biggest star, the biggest name in the sport. And even if he were to lose two more in a row or three more, we cannot deny what he's done. The net effect, the same with Ronda Rousey. We might hate how cocky she was. Maybe people think she's arrogant, but she put the women on the map. She put them in the main events. She opened the door for women fighters to make seven figures. She made people watch. Connor does the same thing. Sometimes the end justify the means. Of course, if he was my son or something, I might, I might, if he asked for my advice, I might be like, well, Connor, we could do this. Well, he was more humble this last fight. He was more humble this fight. And for all I know, maybe he was too humble. Maybe he needed to hype himself up more because he wasn't, he wasn't quite the same Connor. With he says it was an activity. Maybe he didn't have the same mental charge. He, he was a nice guy this fight. He was a nice guy. Maybe he maybe he needs to bring back a little bit of the of the bad boy. I don't know. Maybe that's something that he psychologically needs. Some fighters need that. But I know that I'm not going to dance on on someone's whatever carcass. I, I'm not a fan of that. I respect that Connor showed up. I respect that he, you know, he fought hard. He made the walk. I respect what he's done through his career. And I also think that away from the octagon, when the cameras aren't there to his teammates, to other people, he's pretty, by and large, I know he's had some run-ins. I know he threw, he was, you know, went off at Madison Square Garden and did crazy stuff. I know he has, but he's also been a very respectful guy at other, at other times. And I think he's a guy that's wrestling with how do I, how do I manifest greatness and, and build my power, but at the same time stay humble? Guess what? It's, it's a tightrope for a lot of people. It's very hard to do. Someone like Tom Brady makes it look easy. Tom Brady on the other spectrum, playing in Super Bowl tonight, is 11 Super Bowl. He makes it look easy. He's never in trouble. You know, the only thing he had, he had whatever, the, the football gate where there were inflated footballs and whatever, and they got... Patriots got in trouble for that, whatever. But, you know, nobody prepares like Tom Brady. Nobody loves film sessions. Tom Brady's probably the smartest person, including the coaches, on the football field tonight. The highest football IQ is Tom Brady. I, I would bet anything that that's the case. And what he's done in being age-defying is amazing. And, Noah, I, I want to I let you interject, but Want, after you offer your thoughts, I want to go into some of the takeaways, some of what I've learned from, from Tom Brady, some of the, the, the high principles and standards that he reinforces and that, that, that the people out there can learn and apply in their own lives. Your, your thoughts, uh, Noah? Um, well, you've got there's a, you know, there's, uh, there's a few stories, a few stories. Uh, wrapped up into what you've been saying here. Um, I, this past summer, I took a uh, took some time out to listen to a 17-hour book 
on the head coach of the New England Patriots. And that gave me because I was I was naturally curious, you know, I've always focused my my attention on jujitsu and the martial arts. And I'm not really gone into the uh, what we call the bat and ball sports. You know, uh, I, I know nothing about a hockey. I don't you could, if you tell me, do they have a halftime or do they have periods or or quarters? I couldn't tell you. Uh, but, was that book the, the Patriot Way by chance or another book? No, um, it's not Patriot Way. Uh, it, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a bit of a tell-all, or it was very, it was, there was no, it was an unvarnished look at at that head coach, and so it was kind of an un- unauthorized biography of. Absolutely, coach. yeah, okay. absolutely, and you know you you've got to supplement your, you need to supplement your your education. Is how I've, I approach this. You, you supplement your own direct observation of phenomena with getting listening to books and looking at not just an authorized biography, not not just not just where you see an author and they take a position. You know, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a, a, a I'm going to gain access to my my protagonist. And I'm going to uh, it, it, what, what do you say? I'm missing a few words here, but I, I'm, I'm going to uh, lend lend the, my pen in a way to my main subject. Yeah, and, some people and, might call it a puff piece. Somebody, some people call oh, that a puff piece. A very right. Piece. If, Thank you. If you get if you get incredible access to someone in exchange, you might go light on them. You might you might focus more on the flattering parts. Yeah, that's life. a. Well, you know, that's I think from if you're looking from the perspective of the writer, it they they have to sit there and, and and there's an ethos. I'm speaking to you since you are since you are a legit uh, sports uh, journalist. You've had to deal with sitting in. Well, I want to have access to to people, but I need to also play it straight you know, with how I see things. Yeah. You know, with with Frank's perspective on things. So what, what I, where I was heading at here is I wanted to take a step back and as we speak about these things with and as you're lending, lending your uh, professional perspective on it, take, you know, we, we got to take a look and see, like, you know, this is coming from some what is this voice we're listening to from Frank? You know, because, uh, you know, I think that as you you put things in the perspective of of how you see it and how you're saying things you don't ever expect to directly interview Tom Brady in, in, in your near time future. So you can say things a certain way. If you were speaking about someone else, then, and you're trying to get access to them, how, you know, that's something that you have to balance. You know, honestly, no, I'm just taking that conversation in a different way here, but sorry. Yeah. That that's my perspective as I'm listening to you. Yeah, honestly, I, I think that I would try, even on our show, I say things about people that I would say to their face. So I, I don't, you know, I, unlike most, I think what distinguishes me, and by the way, I'm a journalist. I've covered City Hall, I've been White House, I've covered, you know, state legislatures, I've covered death penalty cases, um, I've covered breaking news, I've covered, you know, uh, you know, uh, casino fires. 
and, and, and everything in between. I've been, I've been into the prisons. I've interviewed pre- prison inmates. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm a journalist. I've done a lot of that. And, and I was the best sports writer of the year in, at University of Maryland back when I was there, which is a very good school of journalism. So I'm proud of the journalism career I, I had. And, I actually, and I'm not proud necessarily of the state of modern journalism, the general state of modern journalism. I'm almost embarrassed to say that I'm a journalist at times now because I think it's been given a very bad name because I do think the quality of uh, journalism has deteriorated. But I would say that my ethos has been, since I'm the exception, whenever I was, when I was working for UFC or when I was working for the Las Vegas Review-Journal or when I was working for Fox 5 News here in Las Vegas, if I ever wrote anything about a fighter, they, they knew they could find me at the local gym. They could, they could do an MMA session with me. They could do a, um, a, a wrestling session. They could do a jiu-jitsu session. So they could, if they had a problem, you know, I was the writer guy, but they could actually be, hey, why'd you write that? You know, I, I was, most journalists will never have to face the subject. I think it's a good thing. You should always assume when you go to write something, you know, what would you say to that person's face? What would you write to their face? Would, you know, I believe very much in journalism and coming, what I call coming through the front door. I don't do gotcha journalism. I don't sneak up on them. There's a very famous MMA journalist. Um, who That's a big part of his shtick. He, he's a backdoor journalist. He's a gotcha journalist, very popular, very likable, very nice guy. His shtick is to kind of set you up and play dumb and, and then get you to, you know, to admit a bunch of things, whatever. I don't do that. I come right through the front door. I'm very direct. You know, my, my style is very confrontational. I mean that in a good way. I don't mean it in a bad way, but very much. You don't want to name so names? I'm dying to know but, now. Oh, yeah. Well, I, that was the first name. Come on. I thought, yeah. It's no mystery. And I like that. Ariel's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's very talented. He's a good journalist. But we can talk about that another day. I mean, it's the shtick that he plays and he plays dumb. And, and you know, he... He, his, his idol was Howard Stern, who's phenomenal at what he does. Mm. But Ariel likes to dig for dirt and whatever, and however he can get that and get you to talk about it, he plays dumb and he, want, he really he loves that. That's good for ratings. That's, that's what he, he loves that. You know, he loves sort of that Howard Cosell and, and Howard Stern. He loves that. And so um, that's not my shtick, okay? That works for him. My shtick is I come right through the front door, very direct. I show you the cards and I have a rapport with the fighters because I understand how they think because I've bled with them. I've sweated with them. I put it on the line. I don't have to go easy. You're here. I, I can ask tough questions. We just had Carlos Condit on last week. I've never trained with Carlos. I've known Carlos for many years for over well over a decade, but I questioned him as if I would train with him, but we had he, he was very forthright. He was very vulnerable. He talked about his divorce. He talked about a drinking problem. I mean, we didn't go soft on him, right? We were very direct, but we didn't go soft on him, right? He, he, was, he was very forthcoming. So my style has worked fantastically for me. People do open up because I think that they feel that I'm coming from a sincere place. I'm being upfront. And I think a lot of them, without knowing it, feel like Frank is one of us. They do. Yeah. Well, you're a black belt. Yeah. A legitimate black belt. You know, you came out of a you came out of a big name program and you have a wrestling career. And so obviously, um, you know, you 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 come with uh, an imprimatur. Let me me show you something. People don't understand. Just to show you how much I want to win. Are you going to show some skin? You are showing some skin. I don't know if you can see this, but. 
Yeah, no, no, you can see it. Yeah, that's for real. If you can see that, there's a yeah. scar there. There's a scar that goes, there's a scar there, okay? Yeah. That scar, that scar is 27, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to dress with this. You know, I was in a big hurry day and something went, the dog ate my homework, like I said. So I'm dressed like, you know, this is not my normal dress. Oh, but good. as it happens, you know, serendipitously, I showed you that. That's a 27-inch scar. It looks like if I told people that a shark bit me, they would believe me. Okay, a shark didn't bite me. But if I went around and showed that to people and said, hey, what happened? A shark bit me. They would be like, oh, yeah, that kind of looks like a shark bite. That was a very major injury. Ended my wrestling career at the University of Maryland. And I didn't start jujitsu until I was almost 30. I was right there knocking on the door 30 years old. So effectively, mm -hmm. I was like very i was almost 30 years old so i basically started jujitsu white belt at 30 years old on a bum leg on a leg that didn't have normal blood flow didn't have normal musculature and i just found a way and i have a titanium plate in my neck if you can see the scar there and i've had the shoulder dislocations and my point there is that's how much i love the sport noah i love the sport so much that even with major surgeries i, I just wanted to keep showing up i wanted to find a way so while I'm not on the Mount Rushmore of jiu-jitsu or MMA or UFC, I don't have a UFC title. I'm not a Hall of Famer. I'm not in that you know, that fraction of a 1% in jiu-jitsu. Had a, had a pretty good career. Had a pretty good career. I'm at peace with everything that I poured into it. I'm in peace with all the injuries I pushed through. I know a lot of people don't know, but I know how much I sacrificed. I know I gave everything. I know I gave every last drop and I'm okay with that. Now there was a time when I wasn't, but I'm okay with that now. And let's segue really quick then to Tom Brady because Tom Brady's looking to put a cherry on top. Like a lot of us, a lot of us, no matter who you are, if you're in your forties, if you're in fifties, you should be looking for more. You should be looking to improve. You should be looking for growth. You're not too old. You should be looking to put more cherries on top of whatever, even if you've had a lot of success. And that's what I love about him. This guy stays hungry. He constantly reinvents himself. He constantly finds ways to win. He makes the room better every room he goes into. He, he took, he made those guys. Tampa Bay hasn't been to a Super Bowl in forever. He goes there first year. Everybody wants to play with him. Everybody believes. Everybody believes it's going to, it's like a genie lamp. It just rubs off on you. Oh, yeah. And, and this goes to show you, you know, iron, the, the saying in, in combat sports, especially iron sharpens iron. This guy, what can we learn from him? If we're a combat sports athlete, if we're a martial artist, well, one thing we can learn is that this, this is a guy who's laser focused. He had the chance to party and do all the crazy things. He's up very early in the morning. He's up very early in the morning, you know? So he's an early riser. He gets right on things. He studies film like nobody's business. You know, somebody like Mike, Mikey Musumeci studying a lot of film, okay? Tom Brady is the king of film study. Um, he was not a very good athlete. You go watch the, you know, this is a guy who, the one thing that I love about him, he's got very thick skin. He doesn't care. A lot of people hate on him, whatever, before. And he doesn't care. He just goes out and does his thing. He doesn't work, get caught up in, they said I suck, or they think I'm too old, or they think whatever. He doesn't. He's got very thick skin. That's something that I think he exemplifies. Um, in terms of how he's taking care of his body, the age defiance, he did something. He has a guy named Alex Guerrero who was behind him. And Alex Guerrero 
is basically what we would call a guru, right? He's not like some big doctor. He didn't have a lot of celebrity clients. Part of the genius of Tom Brady is that he thinks differently. Tom Brady, uh, you know, you have the, 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 the New England Patriots have their own trainers and medical staff. They have their own people to rehab Tom Brady. Tom Brady went completely against the grain and said, he found this guy, this five foot eight guy who plays tennis, who under who, who fused Western and Eastern medicine and has these different philosophies and concepts about neural programming and and, plas- and and pliability and flexibility and different ways to train and acupuncture and just all these different massage, vibrational massage techniques. And he and a guy who really understands the biomechanics of whatever athlete he's dealing with. So Brady went off the beaten path, very unconventional, thought differently, was brave enough and smart enough to see this guy knows what he's talking about. Now think about how brave that requires. You've got you've got doctors and medical staff and therapists at the New England Patriots that are supposed to be the best of the best, right? An NFL team, they're looking for the best of the best. And Brady's got the got the shit spot to be like, I found this guy Guerrero who nobody knows and I think he's smarter than all of them. And I'm going to do what he says in terms of my recovery, in terms of my hydration, in terms of my workouts. I'm going to not lift as many weights. I'm going to do these different exercises with the bands. And it's going to it's going to prolong my career. And guess what? This Super Bowl tonight for me is a validation that Tom Brady, in picking Alex Guerrero, knew what he was doing. It's a validation in, in, in his age defiance. Like, he did things very differently than everyone else. And tonight... At whatever age, 43 years old, it's a it's it's a statement of saying, listen, all the doctors and all the experts were telling me, your guy's crazy. Your guy's a quack. And here he is having the last laugh. Like Alex Guerrero is going to be somewhere tonight. I don't know if he'll be in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl, but he's going to this little guru, this little hidden guru is going to be off somewhere. And it's like he's going to be smiling so broad, like, damn, what we did got us here and the world is watching. And Alex Guerrero is super humble about it. But that, to me, Noah, is, is a lesson for all of us that sometimes you have to be able to fuck to. You have, part of your genius is to figure out who can you trust. And sometimes it might be somebody who's, who on paper doesn't look like the most trustworthy, but that might be the person that helps you so much, right? Your guru, your influencer. It might not be everybody else's guru or influencer, but it might be the right guru or influencer for you. Right. And that's what he found in Alex Guerrero. I thought that was uh, that was phenomenal. Uh, Noah, your thoughts. Yeah, I like that you brought in um, that, you know, you look at these fighters who change camps because they're not winning. You know, they they they, they switch up camps if they lose a fight. But, you know, part of this is, um, you know, you you want to dance with the one who got you here in a lot of ways. And you see some of these fighters uh, leaving, leaving one camp to go to another, and that one camp is one that they, you know, that that started them out and got them all this way. And mm-hmm. you know, there's an argument to be said that you do outgrow your skin at some point. And and I'm mixing apples and oranges here with my examples uh, because you know uh, for for. Tom Brady and his relationship with, uh, I don't I think he's a naturopath, um, but, but he does have an alternative medicine background. 
Yeah, he's got that background in, in some of the like the alternative medicine. Mm, um, yeah, and he's got background though as a like a massage therapist, that sort of thing, like a physiotherapist or massage therapist. Very smart guy. Um, I don't think he reinvented anything. I think he just knew what to fuse, and and you know he has a, a pretty good understanding of biomechanical. He he works in a lot of neural programming. A lot of what he does is the neurology talking to the muscles for recovery for getting the muscles to fire um for he's big he's huge on pliability which is not just flexibility he doesn't confuse he thinks pliability is very different and and much more functional there's a lot more at play it has a neuroprogramming element that he doesn't um he doesn't you know see as much in in flexibility so he's big on uh on pliability but even hydrationally doing different things. But I, I think Noah that, that, you know, when you look at like Tom Brady's the top 10 takeaways or tips that I would have having studied his career for 20 years. And I think that a lot of those things we've already come across, we see it, you know, you show me greatness in any sport and they're doing a lot of the same things, a lot of the great habits, a lot of the intangibles, um, a lot of the discipline, but it's always still inspirational. I always say that inspiration is never going to go out of style. We're always going to need new voices, new motivational stories. We're wired for that. We're wired for inspiration. One inspirational story is not enough. We just need to continually keep inspiring each other. And the best way to inspire each other is to go out and do it, is to, is to exemplify it. It's great to talk about it. It's great to read about it. But the pinnacle is like someone like Brady, you know, go find me a video where Tom Brady's out there in an interview talking for 60 minutes. It's very hard. It's hard to find an interview where, you know, he didn't write any books himself. He wrote TV 12 method with Guerrero, but you don't find like, there's not all these Tom Brady books out there. There's not him on a podcast every week. His canvas has been a football field. You know, how do we know he's great? How do we know what he does works? How do we know we, that Alex Guerrero stuff works? Well, the proof's in the pudding. The proof, turn on and watch Tom Brady over the last 20 years. Look at the Super Bowl rings. Look tonight that he's on there again. He's on there again doing things no quarterback's ever done. Doing it away from Bill Belichick, the genius, when people, you know, were some people were saying it was mostly Bill Belichick and that Brady got lucky. And, and then you say, well, wait, success leaves clues. What can I learn from him? Or at the very least, even if I know those things. All right, Frank, you told me the 10 things. I already know them. Well, maybe it will. Maybe we will reinforce it. We always need to reinforce things, just like we need to do hip escapes. We can't just say, well, I know a hip escape. I know how to do a hip escape, but my hip escape can always get better. And I can all. And if I stop doing the hip escape, even though I know how to do it, I'll start losing it. The quality of that hip, hip escape will diminish. So it's not enough to just know it. And it's not enough that we, we okay, well, Frank, I, these things that Brady's doing, thick skin, I know people that have that. Well, okay, but here's another example to reinforce it, to practice it, to mentally exercise it, to rethink it, to reimagine it, to wrap ourselves around it. Because everybody knows that we shouldn't worry as much about what other people think. But guess what? We're human. And most of us do. Even though we've heard it, that I shouldn't worry about what everyone else thinks. Guess what? Most of us do. We spend a lot of our time worrying what do they think? I went and trained today, Noah, jiu-jitsu, for, to bring this back to jiu-jitsu and the combat sports. I trained today. I've trained three times in the past week, and that was the first three times in the past 13 months. Now, that's not as fun as it sounds. Yes, I'm like a kid on Christmas, 
and I'm excited and I get a little little adrenaline uh, on the drive there. It's a long drive across town. It's like a 30-minute drive. So I'm excitement, but I'm also like, who's going to be there? And, you know, and how am I going to feel? And so it's a mixed bag. It's very exciting. There's a lot of gratitude that at my age and with all the injuries and I'm like, I, it's just so precious to be on the mat. Every moment of the mat is more precious now because you're yeah. further along and you never know. At my age, Dan Gable at age 46, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Dan Gable at age 46 retired from coaching and he had, he had a total hip replacement, could hardly ever wrestle, hardly ever. And so he's a phenomenal wrestler. Gable didn't get to enjoy wrestling the rest of his life. He could watch it. He could commentate. He could point to someone else and say, show this move and verbally direct the move, but he couldn't do it. And that's, that's, I don't want to be that. I'm grateful when I get there, but I was there today and there was another athlete there. Great. You know, who used to be kind of a phenom, like a younger, you know, blue belt phenom and who hadn't trained in a couple of years. And this athlete, mm. this was the first time in like two years on the mat. And this athlete's skills had deteriorated a lot. Mm. And it was a very humbling day for that athlete very humbling day and we talked afterwards and that athlete was just bummed almost to the point where that athlete was like i don't i don't even i'm discouraged i don't know if i want to keep coming i maybe i'm just gonna suck and was wrestling with that of like wait i was here i was so much stronger i was so much better i just forgot what to do it's not just that they're out of shape the athlete wasn't just like i'm out of shape it's like their i their jujitsu iq went down they were overthinking it. They're like, I don't remember how to do this. And and that and and so very discouraged. Yeah. And I was hearing it like, wait, guess what? You showed up. Number one, you showed up. You made a promise to yourself yesterday. You said you were gonna come, you come. You kept a promise to yourself, okay? Which is very important. It's important to keep promises to others. It's super important and foremost important to keep promises to ourselves. Because our self keeps tab of that. Our self keeps tab of, are you keeping your promises to yourself? That athlete, I said last night, okay, I got up at 4.45 a.m. I know you get up early now. I got up at 4.45 a.m. this morning. I've been getting up earlier. I said I was going to be up by 5 a.m. I was up by 5 a.m. That gives me a little more power. That gives me, that gives me a little more confidence because I did it. I said I was going to do it, and I did it. The first time I went back to jujitsu on Monday, 6 a.m. class, Noah, I had to get, I got up at 4.30 a.m. on Monday. So today I got up at 4.40 a.m. Sunday. On Monday when I trained, I got up at 4.30 a.m. And when I first woke up, I thought, I hadn't trained in 13 months. I'm like, I don't want to go. I didn't get the sleep I wanted the night before. I don't want to go. And, I, and the conversation I had with myself is, Frank, you're going to thank yourself at 9 a.m., when you after you go, after you shower, after you eat, you're going to be happy that you went. And if you don't go, if you don't get out of this bed right now, you are going to regret it. You're breaking a promise to yourself. You are feeding into weakness. And what's become of you? What, 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 what are you doing? And the next thing you know, you're going to take that way out in other things, Frank. You're born to climb bigger mountains. You still got a lot left in the tank and you break this promise. You'll break the next one easy. As soon as there's a way out, you'll break it. So as in bed for like five minutes and, and the dominant voice was, no, you're getting up, you're going. I didn't even know who was going to be there, which makes it even worse. I'm like, who's going to even be there at 6 a.m.? 
maybe Godzilla's there. I'm not in shape to fight Godzilla. Like, I'm going to suck. But I was dealing with some of that. This athlete I talked to today was dealing with some of that. Again, fighting is 90% mental. We have to win those mental battles. We have to say at the end of the day, and I said to the athlete, listen, you showed up. You kept a promise to yourself. You got better today. You might not be as good as you were. You got better today. You are better today than you were yesterday, than you were whatever. And if you keep coming, it's going to help so many areas of your life because you're going to want to eat healthier. You're going to want to wake up earlier. You're going to have better time management. You're going to want to do other exercises. You're going to be a more confident person. You're going to have more people who train or that, that you bond with. You're going to be able to make time for yourself in a world where this athlete's like, I'm always doing things for other people. I don't have any time for myself. And make time for yourself. That time on the mat is for you. No matter how busy you are, no matter how many kids you have, no matter what responsibilities, it's a turnoff. It's an emptying. It's a surrender. This is your time. You're there fully present, investing in your best investment, the best investment of your life, you. Good stuff. You, um, you're hitting on one of the things that, um, you know, during the pandemic and during the middle of this, the um, days started to just melt into one another. And I found myself, you know, not knowing what day it was and, and just, you know, it, it, it was just a big blob. So one of the things that I did was I ratcheted down my time management. And uh, I synced up all my calendars electronically because I've got an Apple device. I have Google email accounts, multiple, you know, for different roles. And uh, I got a, I, I synced up all my calendars. And then I started and I stuck with one calendar that, that, that just shows my master calendar. And I mm -hmm. put on that, I started putting everything that I wanted to do on that calendar and and got after it and just doing that uh because what you don't measure you don't value so i started to i started to to you know a calendar is a way which you only have what seven times 24 uh but what 128 hours a week and you've got to use all that time wisely and so i started you know, and so what happened is the key, you know, what they call the arch stone, you know, the, the, the primary key for all this is it is that you've got to set up a time that you wake up every day. If like if there's any anchor point that you can make for yourself in your life, it's no matter what, I have to wake up at this time. No. And, and so. I, I, it's funny, but if you do that one thing, you're like, I got to wake up this time. If you say, I'm going to wake up at this time every day, then what happens is your life then gets grounded and you start and you start to then like, well, you know, I, I don't, I, I should not be staying up doom scrolling, you know, uh, looking at Instagram, just looking, looking, looking. Instead, you start to value your time more. Like, okay. And, and, and a lot of little hidden motivation, little things going on start to organize and coalesce themselves into working in your favor. And so if you start planning your time, this is a big one with me. 
around the house. Uh, it's, it's, I don't like things last minute. Frank, um, this is the thing about me. You know, I don't like, I don't like to go to the store for one ingredient. You know, that makes me feel like, oh, you know, where's your planning? And so when you, when you start to use a calendar, then the, one of the first things you put on that calendar is that every day I'm going to spend 10 to 15 minutes looking at how I'm spending my time tomorrow, you know, because that's a leverage, just like, just like leverage in JITS. If you, if you start to then pre-plan things, you know, you, you plan in advance and you say, I'm going to look, you know, I'm going to spend 10 minutes just looking at my schedule for tomorrow and doing so it, there's an activation system in your mind where you start planning and you start putting together ideas and thoughts and concepts. What looks like something that was thrown, or let's just say, what looks like um, you had no planning for, things start to like make sense to you then. You know, you and I, uh, you and I, I think about what to talk about on the podcast all week long. And I have, and I have, a, I have several categories of things to talk about. But all those things start they, they organize themselves and and they become more coherent in those in the in what that thought is because i just i just ask myself you know, and that's the putting out the intention you know that's the hidden form of of that's the hidden jujitsu in a way if you if you ask that in, if you ask that if you say you put that intention out there then somehow your mind works we don't know how the brain works really we really don't. It is. It is still a mystery. Um, we, 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 you know, we're we're at a lot of places where we think we know how certain things work, like memory, short term memory, long term memory, and um, and how, you know, like they had to figure out how does the mind uh, measure time. You know, it's a weird. It's a weird concept. You know, that there's parts of the brain. How does it work? How does it work with time? And how does it work with you know, how long do you know what a, a minute is? Okay. But anyways, to, let's curve this back to, you know, one of the key things here is you set your wake up time every day. And somehow, sometime during that day, you, you then put on, you put on your calendar. I'm going to spend a few minutes reviewing what I'm doing tomorrow. And then that leverage point leads to further planning. So you're like, okay, then I need to start planning how I'm doing my training, because that means, you know, I talk, we talked about this before about what it's like to live in New York and how to train and go to work and have all your logistics worked out that mindset. Cause this mindset. Now you're getting into where you're, you're thinking ahead, you're planning ahead and you're like, okay, I need a, I need an extra geek in a few months. So I need to save up more. And you're using fairly advanced human concepts because a jujitsu player has to think ahead a bit in their life. You know, you have to manage your budget so that you can afford to pay pay dues. You need to take out uh, health insurance to cover your needs. You know, and this is all part of the responsibility of yeah, getting I, on the mat. I refer to sleep as the most important battle of the day. The most important battle of the day is getting your butt out of bed. And and I and and. I find, and I don't think I'm unusual, I think for most of us, if the earlier you can wake up, the more, for some reason, the more productive the day.
day is. It just works that way. If you're waking up really late, your odds of being very productive go down. For some reason, if you're waking up at 4, 4.30, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., the day runs smoother. You're, you're able to plan it better. You're, I mean, it usually means, like you said, with intention, it means you have a stronger intention. It means you have a stronger why. People who have a weaker why just wake up later because they don't have the why motivating them, fueling them. When your why is strong, you want to get out of bed. You know, you just you that that's why why the, the people with the that are waking up at four, four thirty, five, five thirty, especially what you've seen Wall Street economics, a lot of these people make the world go round because they are just they're highly motivated. Highly motivated people get themselves out of bed. They win that first battle. You mentioned intention. I want to say something that's very important. And I've I've had periods of my life where I've trained. I've trained for 30, 34 years or so. Okay. And I just had my longest layoff 13 months. And I have to remind myself, like when I'm going to train now, I've had a 13 month layoff. Of course, I want to get in shape. And of course, I want to help teach the some of the athletes that I'm training with. And of course, I love the way I feel and the endorphins and the thrill of, of, of dominating or, you know, getting submissions. And that's all fun. The gamesmanship, the mental chess, but that's all fun. Um, winning is fun. But I always have to remind myself, don't just go and show up to practice and go through the motions. Because sometimes even when you've been training a lot, a long time, you kind of have a tendency you're in a rhythm and you just kind of have a tendency to go and throw through the motions and just get your training in. You train hard, but you're not you're not trying as much. Like I always try to remind myself, I'm not just here to get in shape. I'm not just here for the camaraderie. I'm not just here for the endorphin rush. I'm not just here to have people out. I'm here to become a much better uh, jujitsu player, a much better person. I have to remind myself that. And, and this may seem foolish it may seem stupid it may seem obvious but you have to and remind yourself of that intention i'm not just here to do the push-ups do the workout train hard and tap i'm here i'm sending a message to myself i'm here to get a lot better man Even so what you're I, saying I'm frank not here to be like i'm not here to be a black belt and be on the mats i'm oh, yeah. not just here to teach i'm here to get a lot better and to sponge and to trust my jujitsu because a lot of us we clam up. We don't trust our moves. We don't trust our armbar. We don't trust our kimura. We don't trust our footlocks. We have certain moves we trust, and we go to those. That's our safe place. And you have to remind yourself, trust your jiu-jitsu. If you're a coach, you have to remind the athlete, trust the moves you drill. Trust the moves you hit in practice. You lot, there's, there's fighters in the gym. They throw, throw the high kick, and it works. They're scared to throw the high kick in the, in the, in the, in the UFC fight. They're scared. You have – it's simple. And it's obvious, but we find ourselves with that intention because the, otherwise the brain, it stagnates or it's, it wants to play it safe. I have to remind my brain when I go to practice, don't play it safe. You're a sponge today. You're not a know-it-all. I don't care if you're thir- you've been doing this 34 years. You're not a know-it-all. You're going to have a white belt spirit, a white belt mentality. You have the burden of getting better, getting smarter today and raising your IQ. You're not here to just be like, I was on the mat and go on Instagram and take a picture and show everybody. You're not here to just lose the, lose the chub or lose the whatever, lose the flab. You're not here to just, look, to just see other moves or whatever or choke people out or whatever. You're here 
be a sponge, be humble, soak everything in and get better. If you're not an arm bar person and you've been training a long time, you should know how to catch a lot of people in arm bars. If you're not a footlock person and you've been doing this 15, 20 years, you should know how to hit a lot of the lower level belts at least with it. And if you're not doing it there, why? Why? Yeah. Why are you still doing the same moves? It's okay to do them, but by once you do this for 10, 15, 20 years or eight, you know, whatever, a long, long time, you got it's like Tom Brady. You got to know how to make all the passes. You can't just be like, well, I love this pass. No, you got to learn how to win a lot of different ways. You got to expand your game. And I have to remind myself that I'm not just there to be there. I'm not just there to be the old man on the mat. I'm not just there to sweat. I'm not just there to get submissions. I'm there to expand and get a lot better in every way. And I have to remind myself that on the ride over. You do it on the ride over. You know, let, let's, let's stop right there because I want to talk about uh, what I call deliberate practice. Because the deliberate practice, you know, there's intentionality set. If you if you use the warm up uh, portion of of class to look around to see who you have to roll with that day, you already, you know, if you like, okay, I'm going to go train twice this week, you know, because of work and and life. Um, on on my A day and my B day, or if it's A, B, and C, or A, B, C, D, okay, you want to get in rotation, you're planning, all right? So, like, if, I'm, if, I, know that my, if I know that my training partner, you know, I'll text them and, and, and we're coordinating. If I'm coordinating with someone in, in particular, I'm, you know, I'm planning ahead. You plan ahead. Like, I know on my A day, um, I'm not talking about A game. I'm talking about A day where uh, I'm going to have my training partner that uh, he has a great guard. And, and this week, you know, one of my, one of my training days is going to be my guard escapes day. I'm going to, I'm planning in advance. And so that means, you know, you're setting with intentionality that sometime during that week, you know, you show up to class, he's not there. He's not there. All right. Then the, I already have my other thing. That, that I'm also working on. So I'll go to my B, my B training day. So my B training day, he's there, she's there, and they're the, you know, they're the, they're the wrist, you know, you're the, <laughs> they're the one who likes to submit you on wrist. You know, you're like, my wrists are in trouble today. And so uh, you know that you're going to work on your defense with that person. So you want to get, so you, you, you plan for you to have some offense and defense training in every time, uh, every week. And that way you have some variation in like, I know that this person's there. And so, wow, I can get in that training with him. Go ahead. That's, I mean, it's just we're, the way I see it. Stretch. Yeah, it's got stretch. less than five minutes. But, but, but so here, as we come into the final thoughts, along the line of what you're thinking, along the lines of me reminding myself the expansion, I'm here to get better. When I went to class on – uh, I believe it was Friday. So I went I went three times this week, and I'll probably go more four or five times next week. Um, but in that class, you know, as I've gotten older and, and a lot more injuries and injuries take longer to heal, and, then, you know, of course, i got work responsibilities and everything. And, I've you know, I, a lot, most of my training in recent years has been with people that are usually within 30, 35 pounds of me. There's sometimes someone weigh me by 40 pounds, 45, but, but usually I'm in that 35 pounds, 
you know, or more than me. I'm 140 pounds. Okay. That's my real weight. I walk around at 140 pounds, not a very big guy, even though I have these little man boots here. But, um, but I was in there on, on Wednesday training or Friday and it was an open mat and it was no gi. And there were, there was like one guy who was a very strong 195 pound guy, probably 40 years old from London, from Britain. 195 pounds, really muscled up, purple belt. And then there was another guy who was about 205, 10, um, purple belt. And normally I won't roll with them, but guess what? I was feeling like I have to expand. I'm going to have to now, even though I'm back on the mats, even though I've had the injuries, in order for me to expand, I'm not going to do it a lot, but I need to be training with the bigger bodies from time to time. I need to be smart about it, but I have to. So I made the exception with them. I trained with a 195-pound guy, very muscled up. I trained with the other stocky guy, 205-pound, 210-pound purple belt. And a lot of times, of course, early in my career and in the middle of my career, I did that all the time, even up to 2010, 2011. That was a normal thing, training with the big bodies for the first 10 years of my career. But when I started getting in my 40s, I became old. I got to be careful. But now I'm, I'm starting to realize that I need that experience too. There, there is value in training with the bigger bodies. This is a self-defense sport among other things. And if I'm going to expand the way I want to, I've got to do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that was an example of, hey, you know, the old Frank with, oh, you're, you're not 175, you're not, you know, whatever. So no, you know, even, even if I could smoke you, even if you weigh 200, 220, 250, even if I could smoke you, I didn't take the chance usually. There were rare times I did. But by and large, I didn't. And I'm realizing now, I'm like, no, you're a strong guy, Frank. You've got a lot of technique. And you want to be, you want to keep getting better and better and better. Even if I never compete, you always want to get better when you're on the mat. And, and I'm thinking, well, part of that is you've got to train with some, some big bodies sometimes, right? Even just, just like I did when I was young. So, um, and it worked out great. It was fun. It was very fun rolling with those guys. So, um, Noah, we're coming, we're, we're coming down home stretch. I hope you, I don't know if you're watching the Super Bowl. I got to go play tennis with my son. I got a 12-year-old. I'm going to go play some tennis, get some sun. 70 degrees and sunny here in Las Vegas, which is insane. But Noah, I know you've been very busy. Uh, very good podcast. Um, I know you're working your, your butt off right now and that it's not easy for you to, uh, to do the podcast. But I appreciate you showing up. I appreciate your dedication, your commitment to the podcast. Um, even in what is a very um, insanely busy time for you. I, I appreciate that you, you're still making the time and keeping your promise to yourself and to me. Thank you. No, I enjoy it. It is a creative outlet for me. It's a platform for us to uh, uh, share and grow. You know, uh, me, I've, I am a bit of an introvert. I say a lot of us, ahs, and my articulation is is definitely something I'm working on, uh, and I'm fascinated with with journalism. I'm fascinated with sports media, and this uh, you know this in, interweaves uh, technology, and there's numbers involved. So this is a uh, putting on the podcast and producing it with you is is a joy. It's uh, it, it it's somewhat challenging for me, uh, and uh, that's something that I, I'm working on. You know. Um, so we keep showing up and in time, um, I get better and the, the uh, production quality is going to continue to improve. 
I mean, even in little ways, you know, little ways, you know, like you see like the mirror here of my glasses. Um, I finally got some anti-reflective uh, coating lenses on the way. And that should be here probably by next weekend, um, if not sooner. So in little ways, we're improving. You know, um, I got a stand for my, uh, for my laptop here. And I've been doing some uh, research on um, equipment for us. And so, yeah, no, things are things are stepping up. And um, well, anyways, it's already half past. It's about an hour. You go play some tennis, man. Um, I've got some stuff to do. I'm going to I've got some work to do. Um, and I also want to say rest in peace, Leon Spinks. He passed away yesterday from um, a very tough uh, cancer battle. And, uh, you know, he's he's the one who um, he beat Muhammad Ali for the title. And uh, it's his young age, 67. Um, so I just saw that he passed away um, earlier today. Oh, he passed away yesterday. Um, one of, you know, to take the title. I don't know much about uh, Mr. Spinks, but I will just uh, end this podcast today with, uh, uh, you know, we're going to be thankful for, for the fighters. Um, you know, I, I also want to say, you know, these fighters, I saw Clay Guida, um, had a good show in last night at the UFC. Um, I, I want to wish all fighters retired, active, um, and those just getting in sport. I wish them well, and I hope that they take care of themselves. Um, not only just in the you know in the octagon in the ring, but also understand they also have a future after. Um, you know, the fighting professionally is just a one one chapter in their lives. And, you know, they've got to take care of themselves. Um, we all have to take care of ourselves. And I appreciate, um, I appreciate the ones who, who um, reach out to us and talk to us on the podcast. And I look forward to having more episodes. So with that, um, you know, we have our podcast every, every Sunday. We try to hit this on the mark at 1.30 um, Pacific, and that's 4.30 uh, Eastern. Um, Frank, uh, Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Noah. We'll see you soon, bud. All right. Take care, sir. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.